Amen. Thank you. Thank you, brother. Love you. Good morning, church. I'm sure you already told the Lord good morning, but we can say it together to him. Good morning, Lord. He was watching you all night long. He loves you. Isn't he amazing? <laughs> he is amazing. So glad to be with you. I missed you last week. Whenever we're not in, uh, able to be with you all in the church house for worship, I, uh, I just can't stand it. I can't wait to get back here, and I'm glad to be with you. We were very blessed to be away, Kim and I, with our, most of our family up in the mountains camping. We celebrated our 38th anniversary uh, up there last week. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. She's an amazing lady uh, that she would stay with me all these years and deal with me and the different things. And for real, she's an amazing woman, and I'm very blessed to have her as my wife. And that God would allow her to be in remission from the cancer and that she would be with us. And to be able to do that, we, uh, as we were driving up to the mountains together, just uh, praising God that uh, we're do- able to do these things, you know. And uh, very blessed and very grateful. Um, We have a bug splat ride and a car show this coming Saturday here at the church. Now, I recognize that's probably the first time you heard of it other than seeing it in the bulletin yesterday, but we didn't know it was happening until Friday, uh, just so you know, and want you to come and be a part of that. If you look up your bulletin online or in the app or whatever, you can find out all the details. There's also a new class starting here on the campus. Understanding the Bible, Pastor George and Linda will be leading that downstairs, 1045. That's starting in October. There's more information on that in the bulletin itself as well. We have other small groups through the week. We have a prayer ride next Sunday. So we have the Bug Splat ride and event car show here on Saturday. Then we have church on Sunday morning, and then we have a prayer ride. So if you're part of Full Throttle Ministries, you did receive an email. If you didn't see it, look in your uh, trash file, your junk file. It's there. We send it out, and it's got all the details. We're going over to pray over our sister church over on Overton Road. Uh, That is Foothills Community Church. Pastor Erica and Dan, and we're going to pray over them and their property, and some other things we'll be getting a hold of them this week. Please be in prayer for us, with us, and you're welcome to join us on a prayer ride. This is not a uh, just like an event-type ride. It's a prayer ride with a spiritual focus, so please be understanding of that. The Blessing 16 is coming up October 10th. Pastor Josh and Rebecca and Elise can come up here now. How's that? I remembered. Come on. Um, I know I didn't remember your name. That was my bad, but I got you now. I didn't even have to read your tag. All right. Um, I want to let you know, too, that uh, as we go forward, COVID-1 taught us some things and COVID-2 is coming. We already know that, the next things that's happening. And so I hope that you and your family are uh, more prepared this time and maybe have some things stored up in your house. You should if you don't. Uh, This is not a prophetic word. It's called common sense, understanding that we should have things for our family uh, in a closet, in a bedroom, wherever you need to put it. Just some things to help you sustain through the few months that might be necessary. So be aware. I'm grateful that while we were gone, Pastor Joshua filled in in the, in the messages and did a great job on speaking uh, about identity. And I'm grateful that I could join you all in, in worship online and to be able to listen to the message myself and encouraged by that. I love this young man of God and I'm proud of him. And I asked him to come up and uh, share something with you. Did you get a mic? There you go. Grab that mic. Is that one on there, buddy? There you go. 
Pastor Joshua is going to speak with you. First, I need a hug. I love you. Man. Yeah, I love you too. We have a great pastor, amen? We got a great, great, great pastor. Um, so uh, last month, uh, I was engaged. I don't know if you guys yeah. knew this. Some of you might have caught wind of that. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Congratulations. God is good. Yes, he is. Uh, even when we don't deserve it. And Rebecca is definitely proof of that because I don't deserve her. And she is Andalise. <laughs> and they are uh, what uh, they were the desire of my heart. I must say. I must say. And the Lord has just blessed me with with them and, and just getting to know them and starting this new family. I've always wanted to be a dad. And the Lord's like, I'm going to give you a dad in a way you never expected. And, and here came Elise. So I'm very, very excited to have you a part of my life, too. You love me? Yeah. Yeah, here we go. <laughs> so, thank you. Aww. <laughs> a full house moment. Um, so, uh, so this um, new season, you know, we all go through seasons in life. We all go through those times where, where the Lord blesses us and directs us. And Proverbs 16.33 says, A man makes his plans, but the Lord determines his steps, which is a... Uh, hard verse to live by because we make our plans but you know if we give them to God he's going to lead us into places that sometimes we're never uh, aware of you know and and Rebecca and Elise are proof of that and so um we have an announcement it's a little bittersweet but we're happy and God is good uh Lord willing uh come mid-October uh we will be relocating to Phoenix Arizona it's only two hours away so that's good. So if we need our EG fix, we can just come back down here, our biker fix, come and see you guys. Uh, so Lord willing, uh, because of his goodness and his love for us, he has blessed us with this new opportunity to become a closer family. And so we decided to take him up on that in faith and love. And so this is what we decided to do. So we want to just make this announcement known to the congregation of our plans. And we would really, really appreciate your prayers uh, regarding this transition because moves aren't easy. Um, leaving family. You guys are my family here. I don't have any other family in Tucson besides you all. And so um, we just wanted to make that um, announcement to you, our family, and ask for your prayers as we exodus, Lord willing, in November. Thank you. Thank you. All right. God bless you guys. Thank you. So just so everybody's aware that Pastor Josh and I have been talking about this for a while and we've known this was coming. Um, Kim and I were, you know, we knew God called Pastor Joshua to be here. There's no question about that. He served faithfully in this uh, challenging season. When Before he came, we said, I want you to know that you're coming to a church that's not a normal church, and you're coming to a youth group that's not a normal youth group. So uh, he didn't know what he was coming into. He didn't. I know that. And God has used this season in his life to challenge and change him and uh, prepare him for what God has planned for him in his future. He does feel called by God to be a lead pastor of a church in God's timing and God's way. And so I have no doubt that God's going to do that. I want you all to know that we've had that communication open all along. We love Pastor Joshua and Rebecca and Elise and are grateful. Yes, they're, they're awesome family and I'm excited for what God's going to do with them. We're very well aware of all this. Talk with the board about it. We have a plan going forward we're working with. And so you just be praying for us. Remember that one of my core values are committed to change. And therefore, we have to embrace change instead of resist it. And so this is part of what God's doing as he stretches and grows the family. It is not a loss of a family member. It's an extension of the God's family into Phoenix and what he's doing. And everywhere that Pastor Josh will go and be used of God, uh, God's, God's family, everywhere that he is and everything that he has, 
it is an extension of us, and therefore God is allowing us the opportunity to have a ministering presence in Phoenix. That's the way we look at it, right? It's God. He's amazing. And we're very excited about what he's doing. We know that God's in this. We're working through that. We are uh, working together and asking, and I've been asking my Bible groups and different people to be praying for us as for wisdom as leaders and what God's doing with us. And so that's part of why we're asking for that. We're always in need of that, but definitely in this season of our lives. So God has been challenging us in his word. And for a long time, I know this, and many of you that have been part of this church for a long time understand that you've heard me talk about obedience quite frequently, or it's brought into the message talking about obedience. And today, the message is about obedience. Sometimes, uh, I should say most of the time, when God is calling us into an obedient response to him, it requires surrender on our part. So when Pastor Joshua uh, came and we have a relationship, see, God's working through that, but it requires a surrender of things to be able to go into the next step. And so it, it happens throughout our lives. As God's leading us, we go into surrender moments that God calls us to this place of obedience to him that requires me letting go of me, grabbing on of him, and knowing that he's going to carry me through what I'm facing and what's coming next. So this is all about obedience. So most of you probably know that I have, um, we have at our home, uh, birthed our first little filly, March 1st, little Rain came into the world. Uh, she is a little uh, American Quarter Horse filly, first one we've ever had born on our property. I had her mama since she was born, but she was at a, a Quarter Horse ranch, and I didn't get her till she was weaned at six months of age. I spent time with her, but I couldn't wait for the day that I was able to have a baby right there in my yard where I was with it and dealing with that. Most of you probably already know that, but I'm just letting you know that baby Rain is now six months old. It's crazy how time goes and how big she's growing. So it's time for some changes in her life, changes that she's never experienced before, nothing that she's probably very excited about, but it's necessary if she's going to continue to grow. And so what happens is I ask her to surrender to me in trust and relationship to the unknown. I put a halter on her. If you don't know what a halter is, it's that mechanism that goes around their head, behind their ears, under their chin, over their nose, and it, it's what you use to lead them around and different things like that. So I placed a halter on her the other day. It's the first time she's had one. She's had a fly mask on, but she's never had a halter on. And so now she has a halter on her face. She doesn't know what I'm doing or why, so I let her get used to that a little bit. And then as she's getting used to that and she's coming to me, not knowing what's going on or anything, she loves me and we have a great relationship. She comes, she'd come to anybody. As soon as you come out there, she thinks the world revolves around her. So she comes thinking you're there to help her, right? Well, as she's coming to me now, we got to go into another level in our relationship. So she's got a halter on. Now what I did is I took a lead rope and I attached it to the place where the lead rope attaches under her chin. And it's about six feet long, and I just dropped it and left it lay. So what she's doing right now is she's dragging that around physically. Right now, today, while we're here, she's still dragging it around. Now, the reason we do that is because she's going to learn something that I would struggle a long time to teach her, but she's going to self-teach herself. That makes sense, right? Self-teach herself. Uh, anyway, she's going to learn something. How's that? What she's going to learn right now is to give in to pressure surrender to pressure that's what she's learning so this is how she learns it she's walking along like she does every day 
But now there's a rope dragging behind her, below in her feet. And she'll step on that rope, and immediately she can't go anywhere because her head is attached to the rope. And the head leads the way. So she steps on the rope, and she all of a sudden stops. Now the first time, a few times, probably still, when it happens sometimes, she'll jump back, and she'll be like shaking her head and fighting. Like, what's going on, and why can't I move? She has a very little brain. So she doesn't understand that that rope is the reason she can't move. And she's the one standing on it. Church, we're using this illustration to help some of us. Because right now, some of us are standing on the rope. We don't know why we can't move, but God's calling us to a place of surrender. Standing there, shaking the head, pulling around. Like, why can't I move? Why can't I move? Well, for one thing, something's been placed in front of you to keep you held, to understand that you need to give in to pressure. The pressure of the Holy Spirit is calling us into that surrender and trust. So here's what's happening. She continues to learn. So now, as she's learning, like, oh, I can't go anywhere. I got to back up. Okay, I can't back up. I got to step sideways. What she's learned now is as soon as she feels that, she stops. She doesn't fight it. She already learned that she can't win. So when I go in there and she's like doing her thing, all I do is step on that rope. And as soon as she feels that, she stops. And the first time she didn't. The first time that I felt that, stepped on it, and I picked that rope up, what I'm trying to get her to do is come to me and give to pressure. So I'm going to come alongside of her. This black line on the floor right here would be her body. Her head's up here. I pick up the rope and I step to the back and I'm pulling her sideways a little bit. What I want her to do is come to me move her feet if I get in front of her and pull we'll end up in a tug of war she's not going to just follow me she's saying like no I can resist you and she feels the give because I can't hold her completely rock steady they're pretty strong so what I needed her to know is that she can't do that sideways she's not strong so I come to the side just put some pressure on her like that she's already learned from stepping on the rope she can't fight that so just give so as soon as she gives to me and she moves her feet and her head, I let up immediately. What I want her to do right now is understand that surrender equals success equals affirmation. So I pet her and say, good job, girl, way to go. Then I pick it up again and move her again. Then I go on the other side and I pull it again and I pull it again. You follow me? That's simple. All we're teaching is obedience to a tiny bit of pressure equals success, equals affirmation, gets us where we're going. Church, that's what God's doing with us all the time. The Holy Spirit is leading us in this life, and He's calling to us, and He's putting pressure, waiting for us to surrender. We can fight it. I can tell you the first couple times that I picked up that rope, that little girl, she didn't turn sideways. She stood up on her hind legs. She threw her head around, and she was pulling and jumping and pulling back and forth and trying to get away. I just had to hold steady and just kind of resist her a little bit. Let her go. Throw yourself around. You're not going anywhere. Church, many of us in the church today are doing that. When the Holy Spirit's talking to us about something, we're fighting them and saying, no, 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 I want to do it my way. We're up on our hind legs and we're pulling back and pulling back. God's calling us saying, look, I know what you need. I know where you are. I know where I want to take you. Come with me. But we have to surrender, church won't do us any good until we surrender. The only way we're going to get to the next level in our walk with God to surrender 
where we are to where he wants to take us. I want you to know, and you'll hear a progress report down the road, that pretty soon that little girl will walk right up to me. And when I hold the halter in my hand, she'll put her head right like this. It's going to happen. Her mom did it. Her mom did it with me. All she does is she walks right up, drops her head, and turns towards me like, put it on, I'm ready to go. Where are we going? Because she's learned that in this relationship, what I'm going to do is going to reward her, and she's going to be better off by doing what I ask in a good way. And she wants that. Church, listen, horses are servitude animals. God made them to serve us. So it is in their heart to serve I think that's amazing. That's why God's taught me so many lessons through my horses. He's like, this is how I made you. This is who you are. You've been made to serve me. The sooner you learn to simply drop your head and say, I surrender. Take me where you want me to go. Better off you're going to be. Church, the Holy Spirit today is calling to us to full obedience God is saying, I want to take you to the next step in my journey with you. All you have to do is surrender. Will you do that today, church? Will you surrender in full obedience to whatever God's saying? Wherever you feel that little tug of pressure, will you say yes? Come on, let's establish this at the beginning before we go anywhere else right now. Will you say yes to Him? All right. I want you to know that this theme of obedience is who God is, and He has called us to this from the very beginning. In the message today, we're going to go all the way from Genesis to Revelation, and you will have lunch. Not provided her here. You're going to be gone and have lunch, so don't get nervous. But we're going from Genesis to Revelation because it's important for us to see that this is God's heart, this is God's call, and it's our responsibility to respond to everything God is saying to us. When God created Adam and Eve in the very beginning, this is what God said to Adam. Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. Listen, church, you've got to hear this. It's so critical for us. The Lord God placed the man in the Garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. But the Lord God warned him, you may freely eat of the free, every tree in the garden except the tree of knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, you are to die. Now listen to that and hear what God is saying. Adam, I'm giving you freedom in all these areas of your life. I'm giving you the ability to choose, and here's what I want you to know. You have to choose to obey me. You have to choose to obey me. See, that's what a relationship is all about. It's our obedience to the relationship and the boundaries that God himself has established. Do you hear how much freedom that Adam had? The whole garden was his. He had a purpose in his life. He had meaning in his life. He had relationship in his life. He had everything he needed. And God said, I want you to do this. Just don't do that one thing. And he did the one thing. Disobedience. The enemy came and deceived them by adding to what God said. They reasoned in their own mind and thought, that makes sense, it's good enough, let's go and do it our way. And what they did was disobey God, which is exactly what sin is, a disobedience to what God has set the standard as. Therefore, when they disobeyed, sin entered the world, and the consequences have been impacting humanity forever. Disobedience, church. 
to what God says. Going forward, let's go on and see what happens. God goes through time, makes a covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, comes to this place where he talks to Moses about leading his people. God has established a covenant, made a promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, revisited that promise with the people, and he's now called Moses to take these people that have grown into a people and become a nation unto God, right? So here's God talking to Moses. You ready? In Exodus chapter 19, then Moses climbed the mountain to appear before God. The Lord God called him from the mountain and said, give these instructions to the family of Jacob. Announce it to the descendants of Israel. You have seen what I did to the Egyptians. You know how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, if you will obey me and keep my covenant, you will be my own special treasure from among all the peoples on the earth, for all the earth belongs to me. And you will be my kingdom of priests, my holy nation. This is the message you must give the people of Israel. Church, that is an amazing thing what God said. Now let's just put this in perspective of what God's saying to them. He's like, the only reason you are where you are is because I brought you here. Did you hear that? He's like, look, it's not only that you are here in this moment. But I am the God who has performed miracles in the past to even bring you to this moment in your life. If you obey me, we will have good things ahead. Do you understand, church, what God is saying? And he has said from the beginning, there is a contingency on our relationship. The contingency of our relationship is obedience. Amen? Let's apply this in our lives right now. Anybody hearing me online, in person, wherever you are on the planet, the only reason why you are where you are right now is because the Almighty God has supernaturally provided for you to be existing and breathing air right now. No doubt about that. You would not exist if God said no. He is God alone. But God has miraculously, even those of you that are not believers... And some of us who were not believers, who have become believers, look back in our life and say, only God. The only reason I'm alive is because of God. There are countless times where when Dave was in control of his life, doing stupid things, that I could have lost my life and been gone into eternity. The miraculous God has brought us with eagle's wings to this very moment in our life. And he is saying to us, church, to his church across the globe, the same message he gave to Adam in the beginning, the same message he gave to Moses, the same message he's been giving all around through every generation. If you obey me, I will be your God. We will have relationship and I will be on your behalf. But if you disobey me, woe to you. Amen. That's God's word. He's saying, I got something special planned. Every single thing is hinged on their obedience. It's hinged on our obedience. And man, did they struggle with that. Israel constantly struggled with their obedience to God. Let's move forward. You already know the generation in the wilderness did not obey him. Therefore, it cost them their very lives, right? For 40 years, they wandered in the wilderness because they didn't obey God. And all those people, 20 and over, died in the wilderness. So here's this new generation, having had multiple funeral services for the past 40 years, standing on the precipice of God's promise, a call of God for obedience in this moment of their life. 
God has exited Moses from the scene. And he has called Joshua to be the new leader. Listen to God's word in Joshua chapter 1 verse 6. God's speaking to Joshua here. Listen. Be strong and courageous. For you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land I swore to their ancestors that I would give them. Isn't that awesome? Joshua, you're it. I have picked you. Now listen to what it says, though. There's something critical here. Listen, God says, I have a plan. I plan to use you. I'm going to have this land conquered, and it's going to be you that I work through. But listen to what God says here. Be strong and very courageous. Second time he said that to him. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and very courageous. In other words, you're going to have to stand strong in the future. Listen to what else he says. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them turning either to the right or to the left. Then you will be successful in everything you do. Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. Did you hear that, church? Contingency. God's promise, God's plan, God's covenant was all in place, but it still hinged on Joshua's obedience. Do you hear how heavy that is on us? Do you follow that, church? Do you see what God is asking? The same thing that he asked to Adam in the garden. Do all this, don't do that. Obedience hinged on everything. Disobedience collapsed everything. God says to Joshua, look, I've got a plan. It's going to be to use you. We're going to go forth and have great victories in the future. You're going to have to be strong and courageous to face everything you're going to face. But I'm going to be with you, but you have to obey. You hear this? Nothing's changed now. We've gone from creation to an establishment of a nation to this nation going forth and becoming what God's asked them to become. And all we're hearing is God saying, you have to be obedient. So Israel becomes a great nation. They grow. They struggle through these times of disobedience, obedience. And finally, God brings forth his beloved son, David, to be the king of Israel. In this covenant with David, he says that there's going to be you know, the root, the promise of Judah, all this stuff, the Savior Jesus is coming through your lineage, David. David's humbled and struck that God would ever use him. And God calls him in this relationship and tells him he need to be obedient to him and serve him. Now listen to this record in 1 Kings 15. I want you to hear it because, church, I, I want you to know God's word is God's word and it's truth. And I believe scriptures like the one I'm about to read to you proves to us that man didn't write the Bible, God did because no human being would take their hero and put a blight on them and say how their screw-up impacted generations. God is very blunt and very truthful. Listen to the word of God. 1 Kings 15, For David had done what was pleasing in the Lord's sight and obeyed the Lord's commands throughout his life, except in the affair concerning Uriah the Hittite. Church, I want you to know that when I gave my life to Christ at the age of 19, because David was my namesake and my, you know, I owned that, I loved him. 
and I read his story over and over again. But when I'd come to that moment with Bathsheba, I didn't want to read it. I wanted to skip that. It was like, I don't, I don't want to see that. But it happened, and it was real. And the consequences of David's disobedience in one area of his life was so impacting that it impacted not only him and his children, but a nation. David was obedient throughout his life, except I am so grateful for the truth of God's word. Because of the hurt that I felt when I read this account, God has used this in my life. And I have prayed, God, please don't let there be an accept in my life. Keep my integrity in check. Let me walk before you in faithfulness all the days of my life. It has been a constant prayer of mine for my integrity, my relationship, my wife, my kids, my family, my ministry, everything God's asked me to do. I have been in surrender to him saying, man, all it takes is one screw up. One act of disobedience. Church, please hear this from the bottom of my heart, from the word of God, how critical obedience is except in the affair concerning Uriah the Hittite. What was that? Here's David walking out in the balcony, looks across, and he sees this woman taking a bath on her rooftop. He sees that she's beautiful. He didn't go out intentionally looking. He wasn't being a peeping Tom. I'm not being sarcastic. I want you to hear this truth. He saw her. There was nothing wrong with that. He didn't intentionally do it. It just happened. And then he asks about her. Nothing wrong yet. Hey, who is that lady that I see over there? And he inquired. Messengers went to find out. They come back and said something to him that is critical. Church, please hear it. This is Bathsheba. Here's the key. The wife of Uriah the Hittite. Right here. Right here. Everything hinges. Everything hinges in this very moment. A key word was spoken to David, the wife of Uriah the Hittite. She's off limits. Obedience. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife. You know God's word? Yep. She's the wife of Uriah the Hittite. The next sentence says it all. David sent for her. <laughs> he knew better. He knew better. Willfully sent for her. Guarantee you, I, I don't, this is not in scripture. Dave in his flesh believes this 100%. When David sent for her, I don't believe he ever thought he'd sleep with her. I think he just wanted to get a close-up view and have a conversation. He liked what he saw, so he had an appeal. Bring her in, just talk to her. He has sex with her, commits adultery, and she becomes pregnant. Disobedience. Now he's in trouble. Uriah, one of David's mighty men. David had, if you know your Bible and you know this, David had 30 mighty men around him. They were his warriors. They were the cream of the crop and all the warriors of the kingdom. 
They were his right-hand men. Uriah was one of them. A faithful, faithful man of God was Uriah. David's in trouble because Uriah and the rest of his warriors are over in war, and now his wife's at home and she's pregnant. He tries some things that don't work. Finally, he sends a letter to Joab. Approach the city, get into the heat of the battle in places they knew they shouldn't go. Get up there, take Uriah, put him in the front lines, and then back away. And Uriah is killed in battle. Who would ever thought? Do you know how many people today are in places they'd have never thought? No way will I end up there. No way would I do that. One act of disobedience, church. We are one act of disobedience away from God only knows. I pray you hear God's word today. You know, David repented, but it was costly. God's a forgiving, restoring, redeeming God. He is. I'm so grateful. But church, listen, there's consequences to disobedience. Because God loved David, he forgave him. Psalm 51 is the prayer that David prayed and wrote out as he repented of his sin for all that he had done. And God forgave him. But church, the consequences of that disobedience disrupted his own family life, cost his son his life. It cost the nation a split. It costs greatly. All you got to do is read the word of God and you see this one major screw up in David's life disobedience have consequences do you remember what God said to, to Adam what he said to Moses to the people of Israel what he said to Joshua what he says to all of us it's about obedience and keep moving forward and listen years later the nation had gone and they're split you already know that they're in and out of relationship with God they're not obedient they're walking against him and not doing what God says and God sends prophets to them Many prophets through the years. Jeremiah comes. We've touched on that before where he comes to the people and God's judgment is about to fall on the nation. Listen to what God says through Jeremiah chapter 7, verse 21. This is what the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of Israel says. Take your burnt offerings and your other sacrifices and eat them yourselves. Do you hear what God just said? The people were still coming to God, but they weren't coming to God. They were bringing offerings and sacrifices and God said, take them home and eat them yourselves. There's something going on here, church, that's serious. God's saying, you don't even have to show up anymore. It's a waste of time. Listen to God. Take your burnt offerings and your other sacrifices. Eat them yourselves. When I led your ancestors out of Egypt, it was not burnt offerings and sacrifices I wanted from them. Did God ask for those? Yes. Listen to what he's saying. It is not what I wanted from them. This is what I told them. Obey me, and I will be your God, and you will be my people. Do everything as I say, and I and all will be well. Pretty awesome. Did you hear that? This is what I told them. Obey and all will be well. But my people would not listen to me. 
They kept doing whatever they wanted, following the stubborn desires of their evil hearts. And they went backward instead of forward. From the day your ancestors left Egypt until now, I have continued to send my servants the prophets day in and day out. But my people have not listened to me or even tried to hear. They have been stubborn and sinful, even worse than their ancestors. Remember now, this is God speaking to his people through Jeremiah. They're in a nation that is in about to collapse. Church, please let that sink in. The nation is about to collapse. God's judgment is coming. And this is what God says. Tell them all this. Do not expect them to listen. Shout out your warnings, but do not expect them to respond. Say to them, this is the nation whose people will not obey the Lord their God and who refuse to be taught. Truth has vanished from among them. It is no longer heard on their lips. Wow. What a tragic message. What God is saying is, I have called I have spoken, I have instructed, I have led, I have pleaded, I have asked. And they wouldn't listen. They wouldn't obey. Destruction came, as you know. Jerusalem collapsed, Judah collapsed, the people were taken into captivity. God's judgment fell, just like he said it would. If my people will obey, it will go well. If they don't, it won't. It's going to the New Testament. Told you we're going all the way to Revelation. I know what time it is. We're going. We're moving up into the teaching of Jesus. Listen to this message, church. Please hear it. This is Jesus talking. It's the Sermon on the Mount. It's found in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, those chapters. It's the longest dissertation given about Jesus speaking in one setting. Hear this word. Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. What's he saying, church? Jesus said, only if you're living a life of obedience are you ever going to make it. That's God's word. This is Jesus talking. Nothing's changed from the moment of creation all the way through to the end of time. God says, you got to do what I say. And if you don't do what I say, you're not going to make it. Listen, church, not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, perform many miracles in your name. But I will reply, I never knew you get away from me, you break God's law. There's a harsh moment of reality coming, church. Jesus is talking about the end in the moment of judgment. There's going to be people who have spoken in the name of Jesus, who have prophesied in the name of Jesus, cast out demons in the name of Jesus. They have done miracles in the name of Jesus, and they're not going to make it to heaven. Did that sink in? Do you hear what he's saying? He's like, look, this isn't about performance. It's about obedience. Jesus is warning us. God has been telling us. Everything is about our obedience to who God is, what God says, and what our life is called to be. 
And God is calling us to be an obedient people that say, yes, God, surrender and move. When He tugs on the rope, we just follow. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. I surrender. I will obey. This is the Word of God, church. This is Jesus warning us before the end. Will you just let that sink in for a moment? My heart is so heavy and broken because people are very close to me. I've been working for God. But in their own life, they've been disobedient to Him. And God doesn't let that happen. He brings that to the forefront. People that do things for God, who say things for God, who have done stuff for God, but not obeyed in their heart, and now they have some grave consequences in front of them. My heart is heavy. And then as I pray for us as a church and as a people and myself and my relationship with God, I'm saying, God, please, God, please, awaken your people. How many things is the Holy Spirit tugging on the hearts of us, the congregation of CFF, those that are at home? How many things is the Holy Spirit saying, come on, come on, and we're fighting, we're pushing, we're pulling away and going in the wrong direction? Let's move on. James chapter 1. I love the book of James, and basically the whole book of James, I mean basically, it's not all, but I'm saying he's talking about a life of obedience and what it means to not just talk about faith, but actually live faith. And in James chapter 1 verse 21, he says, so get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives. Did you hear that? Talk about living a life of obedience. He's saying, get rid of the junk, man. And humbly accept the word that God has planted in your hearts, for it has the power to save your souls. The terminology there is critical for me and you to get. See, he's saying like there's got to be a response to what God has placed inside of us. There's got to be action in my life, obedience, to what God has placed right here saying you can't do that stuff you used to do. You can't live that old way of sin. We've got to live a new way of living and it's God's way and it's affirmed in our hearts by the word of God and God himself has planted that in us. Amen? Church, it's... It's the Word of God. You may not like what I'm saying, but it's God's truth. This is what he goes on to say then. Humbly accept the Word God has planted in your hearts, for it has the power to save your souls, but don't just listen to God's Word. You must do what it says, otherwise you're only fooling yourselves. So, Thank you, Mike, for your amen. I want you all to say amen. I want you to clap when God's truth responds to you. When the Spirit is affirming something, I want you to shout. I don't care what you do. I want you to respond, just so you know. But I want you to hear this as well. If you don't amen on Monday with your life actions, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, your amen on Sunday means nothing. Right there in the Word of God. If it's not being lived out, you're only fooling yourselves. You're putting on a show for other people. Please don't. Don't let the devil mess with you on that. Church, we need to applaud, praise, amen, and get into it. I'm all for it. But I'm telling you, God's word says this. Don't kid yourself. If you're not living in obedience to God, you know you're not. 
And if you're not, you can look like anything. You can hold any position in the church you want to. You can have any title you want. It means nothing. God is not like, oh, that's Pastor Dave over there. So we're going to kind of just give him some cushion. No! Church, come on. He doesn't care about titles. He cares about obedience. From every one of his children, he cares about obedience. For not being obedient to what the Word of God says, what the Holy Spirit has planted in our heart, our relationship is nothing but a mirage and it's empty. And we're not going to make it. James says something to us again. I love James. You know that. Listen to what he says here in James 2.14. What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? That's probably one of the most like convicting, strong words you'll find in God's Word. You know, like we have... Um, some of us have been taught to believe that just because we said yes to Jesus as a kid or some other point in my life that I have a punch ticket to heaven and everything is good. Right? Some people have been taught that. That's not what the Word of God says. I don't care what you've been taught. I don't care what you've believed. Listen to what God says. Jesus said there's going to be people that do miracles in my name, prophesy in my name, cast out demons. They're not making it. Why? Because it's a life of obedience that makes it. You don't live a life of obedience to be saved. You live a life of obedience because you are saved. And because you were saved once and you're not living a life of obedience, you need to come to Christ and recommit yourself to Him because you have what the Word of God says and uses this terminology, backslidden. You are no longer in relationship with God by your choice. The problem with our theology is people say I lo- you lose your salvation. Nobody loses it. It's like, where's my keys? I don't know what happened. No, I willfully walk away from God because I'm not going to do what He says. I'm going to do what I say. That's called disobedience, church. That's called sin. That is what God says is not acceptable. Amen. Amen. Like it or not, it's God's truth. You can disobey. You can disagree. Whatever you want to do, but you're still going to answer to Him. So am I. What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but don't show it by your actions? You love that? He's like, if your life doesn't agree with the words and it doesn't line up everywhere you are, can that kind of faith save anyone? Nope. I love it. Challenging, convicting, amazing. Our obedience to what God's Word says, the Holy Spirit's affirmed in our hearts, is the key to living a faith, a life of faith and relationship with God. Let's jump to Revelation because you probably thought we weren't going to get there. We are right now. Revelation chapter 1. Listen, John the Revelator, the apostle, it's that guy. He's the one that God used to write the gospel according to John. He wrote 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, and he wrote the book of Revelation. Same guy. Same guy that was there in the upper room that laid his head against Jesus there and said, Who is it, Lord? That's going to betray you. Same one that stood down there foot of the cross. John the Beloved. And Jesus said, take Mary home as your own mother. And he did. That's the John we're talking about. Listen to what he says. The Holy Spirit speaks to him and gives him a vision. And this is the very beginning of the vision. God blesses the one who reads the words of this prophecy to the church. And he blesses all who listen to its message and obey what it says. 
the time is near. Isn't that crazy? It's not crazy, it's awesome. See, God's message has been the same all throughout time. He says to John, he says, I want you to tell the church they've got to obey. They've got to listen. They've got to respond. Do you remember when you read the first three chapters of John and he's writing to the churches? Jesus says, I know. He who has ears, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. God is calling the church and he's asking us to move in response and obedience to what he says. The message of our obedience is from the very first book of the Bible, the first interaction between humans and God to the very end of the Bible. It's all the same. God calling people to a life of obedience to him, which requires my surrender to who he is in my life. Only, only, only can I be in relationship with God by surrendering to the Savior, Jesus Christ. Period. There's no question our salvation is a gift from God and nothing we do can earn it. So do not walk out of here confused by what I'm saying. I am not telling you can earn your salvation. I'm not telling we score points with God to be saved. No. God's word clearly tells us that we're only saved because God has called us and we have received from him this incredible gift called salvation. But in that gift, God says, now you are mine and we are in relationship and you will obey me. Right? So salvation is the gift and the relationship is the response. I am now living in obedience to God because of the relationship that he has given to me. I'm responding to him. That's exactly what James was talking about. He's saying, look, this is something God has given us. Now we're going to respond to that gift by the way we live. And we live in obedience. Amen? It's great stuff, man. (laughs) God requires from me and you obedience. Are you a born-again believer in Jesus Christ? Have you received that free gift of salvation? Please respond if you have. Yes. Amen. Isn't that awesome? You know you didn't deserve it, did you? I didn't deserve it. Incredible gift God gave. Like, it was like, oh my goodness. I look at myself and I think like, <laughs> why, God? Why did you do that? Why did you call me? I so didn't deserve it. And you called me and said, here I am. After me saying, no, 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 so many times in my life, oh my goodness, even as a child, telling God no. And he called me. And in the moment that I finally responded, he just embraced me, forgave me and hold me, said, you're mine and I'm yours. Let's do this. As I'm walking with God, even today, church, as I'm walking with God these many years, God is constantly bringing me to these places. Will you obey? Will you surrender? Will you trust me, Dave? Will you do what I'm asking you to do? Even today. (laughs) What is it that God has said to you that you're struggling to obey, church? Right now. See, Jesus promised the Holy Spirit would lead and guide us into all truth. 
the Holy Spirit would convict us of sin, of God's righteousness, and the coming judgment, right? The Holy Spirit is active. He's doing something inside of us. And what he's doing is he's calling us and leading us into this life of obedience, which is a life of surrender of me so that God can be more seen in and through my life because there's less of Dave to get in the way. So as we're surrendering to who he is and being obedient to what he says, God can do what God only can do in our lives. So church, I want to read something to you here as we close this service because we're calling people to the altar to repent and to come to him in whatever way God's speaking. But I want to read these verses to you in Revelation as we travel all the way down to the very end. Now this is Revelation 20. There's one more chapter under this, but this is the picture of the end where you and I are physically visible in the Bible. I want you to know that you and I are in the Bible and it's right here right here John saw me and I saw a great white throne and the one sitting on it the earth and the sky fled from his presence but they found no place to hide I saw the dead both the great and the small standing before God's throne and the books were open including the book of life And the dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. I'm not done reading, but I'm pausing there. Did you listen to that? Your life story is being recorded in heaven. But not just the stuff you want people to know. God is writing every detail of your life in the book of life. And God says he's going to hold us accountable on the day of judgment for what is recorded in that book. The sea gave up its dead, and death and the grave gave up their dead, and all were judged according to their deeds. That's pretty crazy. This is the second time that we're told in the final judgment that it's going to be about the way we live. Right? We're either living for Jesus or we're not. This is that moment that Jesus said there's going to be people saying, wait, Lord, Lord, We did stuff in your name. And he's like, you're done. You're out. This is that moment. Church, this is that moment. And he's saying, like, I'm reading your life story here. See, God is saying to us, our life lived out will say the end story. It will determine where we are in eternity. God's saying this, not me. Not a church's belief. This is the word of God given to the church to let us know this is what's coming. Right? It's an awakening for the church. Your story's being written. What does it say? Then death and the grave were thrown in the lake of fire. This lake of fire is the second death. Church, I want you to know that all eternity is before us. Heaven or hell. It's real. Some people in the church don't want to believe in hell. It's real. God himself has established it. He said so. He created it. He did. Read the Bible. God created hell for the devil and the angels that rebelled against him. So now it's open to anyone else who disobeys him. 
And death and the grave were thrown into the lake of fire. This lake of fire is the second death. And anyone whose name was not found recorded in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. Whoa. Real stuff, man. That day is going to happen. The reason why I said that John saw us is because it says the small and the great. Everyone will stand before God. This giant mass. All humanity. The book of life will be open. David, Dwayne, Elber. Born in Garden City, Michigan. Here's what his life is. And God himself is going to say, in or out, my life of obedience is the only way that I'm getting there because of Jesus, because of the Holy Spirit and living that life, church. No other way. Do you think that little tug the Holy Spirit's given to you matters? You better believe it matters. It matters today. matters. The tug on your heart is that little rope and God's saying, come on, please give in. There's great things ahead for those that surrender. And there's nothing but devastation to those who fight and do their own thing. It's all about surrender and obedience. Rise with me, church, and let's answer to our living God. Father God, as we are here in this moment, Holy Spirit, you're so faithful. Thank you for that one that's come already in response to you. We ask you to continue to move, Holy Spirit, amongst us, those that are at home, online, and work, wherever they're listening to this message. God, Holy Spirit, grab us. Tug on our hearts exactly where we need it to surrender to obedience. In the name of Jesus, we ask this, Lord. In the name of Jesus surrender <laughs> Father we love you Let's give it to just wait before you God have your way if you'd like to come forward please do please do altar's open this isn't a show it's not about me and you it's not about us it's about God and you personally this is about what God's saying to us so please don't leave without knowing we're all good (laughs) oh man there's nothing like it nothing like the affirmation of the Holy Spirit said we're good isn't that awesome thank you Lord thank you guys for coming up thank you (laughs) thank you God for bringing healing (laughs) you're so faithful God thank you church There's great things for those of us that will walk in obedience to God. There's challenges, of course. That's why he told Joshua, be strong and courageous. There's some stuff you're going to face. No better place to be than in full obedience, walking with God. No better place. Father, we love you. Thank you so much for this day. What a meaningful day it is in our lives and in your church. Thank you, God. Continue to lead, Lord, as we say yes to you and surrender in obedience. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Go forth as the mighty warriors you are, church, and let's make an impact in the kingdom of heaven. God bless you today. Thanks for being here. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Yeah. Amen. You guys stay as long as you need to right here and pray. Thank you, Jesus, for all you do, God. You're amazing.